Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Amen. How beautiful it is to be in the house of the Lord. I look around and see so many wonderful faces. Amen. People, I pray that are hungry to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. What an awesome thing it is to be here today. If y'all don't mind, can y'all bring my mic down just a little bit in the back? It seems a little hot. Amen. If you'll bring it down just a touch. There we go. That's a lot better. Amen. It's good to see the family of faith, to look around and see uh, both friends and guests. And uh, what, a, what an awesome thing it is to be in the family of faith. Jennifer, it's good to see you. Amen. It's so nice to see uh, you. And uh, uh, Jeshua, it's good to see you, man. And, and you brought a special somebody today with you and your little baby girl. It's so nice to just see uh, uh, familiar faces and people and things and so many wonderful uh, uh, people coming through the doors. Amen. Jonathan, Jolene, it's good to see you. And uh, Is it Sonia? Amen. It's so good to see. Uh, they said that they wanted to come and finish out the series. Amen. And uh, we have an awesome series going on here at the church. Amen. And I pray that your heart and mind be ready, amen, as we're getting into some, some wonderful aspects of the Lord today. Could I say to you today that I almost wish that I could set the mic down and just whisper this message in your ear, because what I'm about to do is to talk to you today about something very intimate with God, and I pray that as I get into this level of intimacy that you would be open to that. I pray that your God wouldn't be afar, I pray that He'd be near. How many of you know we serve a God that's close to us, Amen. So close that he of himself says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say that I'm your helper. Amen. We're getting into these conversations today, and I pray that as we get into this, this, this message today, uh, this uh, third message in the series uh, of Thy Will Be Done entitled, A Match Made in Heaven, that you'll let this word minister to you. Let me ask you to stand, amen, for a moment, and we're going to get into some conversations here in the word of the Lord. And I know guys are, uh, 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 JC, if I can get you to just give me a touch more volume, just a little bit more. There we go. Thank you. I'm already feeling it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I have to, I don't have a platform monitor, so I have to rely on the house speaker to hear my voice. So thank you so much. Hopefully it's, it's coming loud and clear, but not so much that it's affecting your ears. Amen. If you're in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, we left off here last week in verse uh, 21. And we're going to read through this particular passage, and I'm going to take it away through. Uh, in, in fact, in fact, I, I'm going to take it through verse 40. And for some of you that have been part of our series uh, last couple of weeks, uh, there's, been, there's been very expressive parts of the message, amen, uh, that we've been talking about. For some of you that caught the first message, how many of you know there's highs and lows in the will of the Lord? Highs and lows, right? How many know you're responsible for the low because you have to abase yourself? You have to create the low spot so that God can do the high spot. How many know that the Bible says that if we abase ourselves, if we humble ourselves, God will exalt us? How many know that? That's a, that's a process of all of the Bible, right? Last week, we also talked about it's a love-hate relationship. How many today know that doing the will of the Lord produces of itself a love-hate relationship? And so we talked about that. That was somewhat of a formation of, of this message today. If you've got those parts down, you're ready to call fire down from heaven. 
And let me say that one more time. If you've got that down, you're ready to call fire down from heaven. How many want to call fire down from heaven? There are some things going on in your life right now, absent of fire, they will stay with you. There are some situations, the remedy is in the fire. Your health is in the fire. Your promotion is in the fire. And listen, if you can't call fire down out of heaven, you're going to be right where you are the rest of your days, right? Today we're talking about the power of God, the expression of that power. And I pray that you lay hold of this today. Again, this is 1 Kings. Are you in 1 Kings? I'm going to begin reading here verse 21. It's where I left you off last Sunday. It's where we begin today. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 21. I am reading from the King James Version of my Bible. And it begins like this. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, Now catch this. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. Now catch this. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Let me say that one more time. The God that answers by fire, let him be God. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, the God that answers by fire, that's God. Yeah, you got to lay hold of that principle. The God that answers by fire, that's God. we got to lay hold of that principle. Are y'all catching that? And all the people answered him and said, it is well spoken. Look at your neighbor and say, that's well spoken. The God that answers by fire, that's going to be God. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For ye are many. Call on the name of your gods. Put no fire under. Now watch this. And they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it. And called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. From eight to noon. Saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded and Elijah said unto all the people come near unto me and all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down 
Now, brother and sister, if you've got a pen and a piece of paper, if you've got a, if you've got a, a magic marker, if you've got a highlighter, that is the this, that. That is the seesaw verse. Uh, this is the verse that gives context to the whole of this chapter. This is the seesaw. Elijah rebuilt the altar that was broken down on Mount Carmel. And brothers and sisters, today, you know what we've come to do? We've come to repair that altar. Brothers and sisters, let, let, let me tell you while I'm here. I'm here to help you repair your altar. Because I'm here to tell you it's been torn down. It's been broken. Right? We're going to repair it. Because if you don't repair that altar, fire won't fall. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about that altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and, and cut the bullock in pieces and laid it upon the wood and, and, and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And I can uh, get into some conversation today, which I will not, but this is a symbol of the person Christ. He says, four barrels of water, uh, fill four barrels of water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. These are all symbolisms. I'm not going to teach that today because I'm going to help you come to some understanding today. I believe it's paramount for your life. And the water ran down round about the altar and filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, he spoke 63 words, here they are, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Catch this. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Are y'all ready? We've got something to do, man. We're we going to have to get down this morning. Are y'all ready? Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Let's just separate ourselves for a moment. Holy Spirit, we lean upon your great guidance. Guide us away from all the stuff that clutters our mind. Gu guide us away from our office and our desks full of things to do. Chores to apprehend. Holy Spirit, guide us away from all our troubles, all our marital strifes and things that trouble our minds. Uh, guide us away from the bills that left, are left at home unpaid. Uh, gu guide us away from all the trivial things in our mind. 
that keep us from ascertaining the things of God and the purposes of God. Guide us away from all of that. Just guide us to the very feet of Jesus. Guide us to his instruction. Holy Spirit, let us hear the voice of the Lord through the preacher as he comes to deliver that voice, the purpose before the family of faith. Guide us instructively. Guide us intuitively. Guide us through your purpose. Let your unction help us to apprehend it. For we know all things through the Spirit of God. Teach us today. Help us today. Move in us today. Stir us today. Keep us. Today, Holy Spirit, as we share some of the most intimate things of God, let this word fall on hearts that are that are supple, that are soft, that are moistened, that are conditioned for the entry of the word of the Lord, that it may yield back into the kingdom of God a hundredfold. We pray that at this hour, we pray it together as a family of faith. We pray that as brothers and sisters endeavoring to walk together in faith. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, will you, I want you to go grab somebody right now and, and just, just say this. Say, it's a match made in heaven. Just, just go hug them because I want that to be in your mind today. Just go grab somebody and say, man, it's a match made in heaven. Love on somebody. Say hello to somebody. Greet somebody. Amen. so many people in the house of the Lord. Brother Jesse, love you, man. It's a match made in heaven. Amen. Jerry, it's good to see you. David, God bless you. I'm so glad you and your wife found us this morning, man. How awesome it is to have you back with us today. Amen. Blessings to you, man. Blessings to all the family of faith. How beautiful it is to look around and see the people of God. Amen hugging on each other, loving on each other. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Briesson, sweetheart, it's good to see you, Mia. I've been praying for you all this week. Amen. How awesome. Christian, good to see you. Family. God says family. How beautiful. Amen. What an awesome thing it is. What an awesome thing it is. God is awesome. God is awesome. I don't, I don't mind taking my time this morning. It's good to see people hugging, saluting each other, encouraging each other. Taylor family, love you guys. Amen. Love y'all so much. Amen. Praise the Lord. How awesome it is. It has always been my intention Uh, the purpose of my preaching to teach you the Father. I I can think of no uh, preaching uh, worth any amount of salt or grain in the kingdom of heaven that of itself doesn't instruct you in who God is. I believe you need to see God. Because how we see God 
has everything to do with how we worship God. Let me say that one more time because that statement is profound. How I see God determines how I worship God. Could I even go as far as to say how you see God is how you pray. How you perceive the Lord is how you live your life. Friend, you need the right image of God if you're going to be a worshiper of God. For thus is the instruction, we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. One of the greatest revelations of God ever given in the Bible that encompasses and, and embodies the fullness of the Godhead is the story of God appearing to Moses in the burning bush. You know that story well. We know figuratively that the bush is a symbol of Christ on fire. That out of the thorn bush, God is speaking your blessing. Oh, somebody. How many know that God speaks your blessing out of his cursing? For cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. That bush was a flame, a flame of fire. I, I, I give you that because it's essential that you understand that the fire of God and the sacrifices of God are a match made in heaven. It is where God works. Wherever there is a sacrifice, the fire of God appears. It produces what is called the altar. It is the altar by which we comprehend God. It is the altar by which we interact with God intimately. Could I suggest to you today that the purpose of all that we've done, the worship, the preaching, is to bring you to the place of the altar. Because you need to make a transaction with God this morning. I don't want people to come to church and hear a message and leave without making a transaction with God. Will you look at your neighbor right now and say, you need to make a transaction with God. It is essential that we see uh, that, that the body of this experience uh, was, would, would embody the fullness of our relationship with God. That, that there's Christ, the sacrifice of flame. He's burning, right? He's burning. We, we know that God of himself is a fire. <laughs> Let me digress. Let me digress. Uh, I am now living in a culture that only understands God one way. And I'm going to give it to you the way that, that the Bible gives it to you. And it's not to say that the way in which you know him is faulty. It's just you need to know the totality of God. I'll give it to you like this. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Right? Uh, most of us learn that. That's a song for some of you that have been in church for a while. We used to sing that song. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. We used to sing that, right? That's, that's 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. And most of you understand God that way, that God is love. It, it, it permeates our culture in our church so much so because we derive from the knowledge of God, of who God is on how to worship. How many to know that you're going to worship in love? How many know you worship in love? You have to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind. You got to love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus, in fact, said it in St. John 13. He says, this, com this new commandment give I unto you. That you love one another as I have loved you, right? 
Jesus said, in this way, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one toward another, right? And so we understand that through love, we love each other. We love God. This is a mechanism of our worship because God is love. But how many know God is more than love? I mean, a culture that just embodies that thought. And they're not walking in revelation of God. Friend, listen, you need to see God for who he is. Catch this. How many know that God is light? If you can't get past the first few verses of your Bible in the book of Genesis, it's the first revelation of God. God is light. God said, let there be light. Somebody say revelation. Somebody say truth. Uh, it is the beloved John in 1 John chapter 1 that says this to, to, to the family of faith. He says this to us. This is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Y'all know these scriptures, right? We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We worship God by light. In fact, the Bible says, know ye not, right, that what you're the light. Ye are the light of the world. A city on a hill can, that cannot be hid, right? We know this. That you're the light. You look at your name and say, you're the light. What we don't remember is that our God is a fire. The Bible teaches this emphatically. Our God is a consuming fire. The Bible says even a jealous God. Somebody say jealous. It's a Greek word. It means zealous. Right? Zealous. Its expression is hot enough to boil. Do you know that God is hot enough to boil over you? Uh, God's jealousy is not a worldly jealousy. You know, worldly jealousy has an envy of what other people have. God is jealous about what he possesses. Do you know that you were bought with a price? And that you belong to God? And that God is jealous for you? God is hot enough to boil over you? Somebody say hallelujah. I can't think of nothing more gracious than to know that my God loves me and his love is so hot that it's hot enough to boil. Look at your neighbor and say, God is hot enough to boil over you. He's passionate. He's a jealous God. He's a God of fire. He's a God of fire. Listen, you got to be careful when you play with fire. I, I, I live in a generation where we got our hands all over God in love. We just don't got our hands over God in fire. Because we all know intuitively that when something's on fire, you can be burned. And it's a condition of God to know that God is a fire, a consuming fire. It speaks of the proposition of God. God's either going to be everything or nothing at all to you. He's a fire. He's a fire. He's a consuming fire. He wants everything. (laughs) 
Elijah in this passage, in this story, comes with the proposition of fire. Everywhere that we see in the Bible, of all the things taught of the isms, right? These are what I call the isms. How many know that it was out of the burning bush that Moses said, God, I know you're going to do all these things. Sounds like wonderful things you're about to do. But if I go back to the people, they're going to ask, what's his name? <laughs> Y'all got to catch this. You know, you know, for 400 years, the nation of Israel, the firstborn of God, was subjected to the cruelty of slavery. Have you ever gone through something and maybe you've been going through something for a while and, and you've been praying and, and, and asking God and you've gone on a couple of weeks, maybe a month, maybe a year, and you start asking, is God even listening? Anybody ever been there where you've been crying and praying and it doesn't seem like the matter is changing much and, and you've noticed that not only you've been suffering, but now your kids are suffering and then you're old enough now to see your grandkids are suffering with the same condition you've been suffering with and you start asking real tough questions. God, are you even listening to me? Imagine the nation of Israel, 400 years, they've been suffering under a cruel bondage. And they've come to one determination. We don't even know our God's name. We need to know his name. I mean, if we're going to call upon somebody, we just, we just can't say, hey, you. I mean, I want your name, God. Moses is Lord. If I go back, the culture's already uh, exasperated. They, they're exhausted under the labor. They're going to want to say, what's his name? He said, well, when you go back, you tell him this. Tell him I am that I am. <laughs> tell him I am. God is. God always speaks about himself in the present tense. That's why our faith is, now faith is. It's an ism. It's present tense. It's right now. It's right here. God is saying, listen, I am that I am. I will always be what I have always been right now. Somebody say right now. Give your neighbor a high five and say, God is right now. For all you that keep talking about, well, you just wait till next week. Brother, shut up. You don't know God yet. God is right now. Uh, that, that's why faith plays as a premise. You won't get it until you believe that you have it. Let me say that one more time. How many know that faith works this way? You won't get it until you believe that you have it. Because once you believe that you have it, then God will give it to you. Why? Because God is. It's the ism of God. God is. It's an ism. Quit, tell, quit telling people, you wait till next week and you'll see what God's going to do. God's already done it if you've prayed it in faith. It's the ism of God. He says, you go back and you tell them that I am that I am. It's the isms, right? God is love right now. God is light right now. God is fire right now. Everywhere you see God speak about himself, he speaks about himself in fire. Uh, the revelation of the ism of fire is because God is speaking about himself. He'll say this to you. Have no other gods before me because I am a jealous God. 
I am a consuming fire. So everywhere God speaks about himself as the ism of fire, he speaks about it concerning idolatry. Because, you know, we have a lot of idols in our life. I'm talking about you. Quit looking around. I'm talking about you. You. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about you. Uh, don't look around. Don't look at the world. I'm talking about us, the church. We have a lot of idols in our life. You say, well, preacher, what's an idol? An idol is anything that you think can do more for you than God. I'm going to say that again. An idol is anything that you think can do more for you than God can do for you. I don't know what that idol is in your life. Some of you think your job can do more for you than God can do for you, or a husband, or a wife, or a thing, or a situation, a promotion, money, sex, whatever, promotion. All of us are in these ideas that there are things that we think can do more for us than God. It is an idol. And God is saying, you better be careful with me because I'm a consuming fire, even a jealous God, and I don't want any idols in your life. You're going to serve me and serve me only. Ah, somebody, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you right now, brother. Sister, he's talking to you. We've got idols in our life. We've just got too many idols. Too, too many places where we're putting our anchor down. Uh, too many places where we're putting trust, where God says, don't put your trust there. Listen, do you know that the people that you think are really going to help you, they're going to disappoint you. Listen, you've got some gods in your life, and they're going to disrupt you. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you ahead of the curve. Put all your trust in the Lord. Put all your eggs in one basket. Let that basket be God. I promise you my God will deliver. My God will not disappoint you. My God is sure to his word. My God will come through. My God is exceedingly abundantly able to do more than what you even ask, more than what you can even think. My God is able. Somebody shout out, God is able. 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 My God is able. My God's able. He's a God of fire. He'll consume the sacrifice. He's a jealous God. You see, Elijah was coming and saying, listen, how long will we be between two opinions? Uh, most of us don't realize that the nation of Israel had whored themselves unto Baal, unto Asherah, unto Molech. It, it, it was a very casual thing at first, uh, but, but what happened was as the, as the, the book of Kings, uh, we, we know 1 Kings and 2 Kings are nothing but God's way of showing you that whenever you have a man in charge, you're going to be disappointed. Let me say that one more time. Wherever there's a man or a woman in charge, you're going to be disappointed. I saw the lady saying hallelujah, amen, but then when I, <laughs> I came back to the lady being in charge, y'all got to get real quiet. Listen, wherever there's a man or a woman, you're going to be disappointed. Human leadership is weak. Human leadership is weak. First and second Kings is all the expression of just how weak it is. God never wanted to rule his children with kings. It wasn't his heart to do that. Oh, but we want a king because you see that kingdom has one and that kingdom has We want a king. 
Because I don't have a king, I have a Messiah. Y'all didn't hear me. Listen, the nation of Israel wanted kings, and so they began to whore themselves, right? They, they, they wanted allegiances, and so one king would marry another king's daughter, and that daughter would bring her gods. Uh, 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 one kingdom would marry another kingdom, and they were trying to make these alliances to keep peace, to add to productivity, to add to prosperity. And all it was doing was polluting the nation of Israel. There were barbarians around them. Godless people, heartless people, evil people, people in dire need. God was saying, I don't want you to contaminate yourselves with them. They were bringing their gods in. You, 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 do you know that the nation of Israel literally believed that Baal, right? Uh, Baal uh, would come riding in on the clouds. He was the god of sun and rain. It was Baal that would rain on your crops and, and cause everything to grow. He would produce for you. There would be productivity. There would be prosperity. Asherah, the god of Asherah, the, the moon goddess, the goddess of fertility. You want, your, you want your flocks to grow? You want them to have harmony? You want to grow in productivity and fertility? Man, you need Asherah. And they would put these little images in their vineyards and in their homes. And it was detestable unto God. God said, don't you make any graven images. Do, do, do you know that King Ahab, that's where we are. The Bible says in the 16th chapter of the book of Kings, did more to provoke the anger of God than any king in all throughout the Bible. What did he do? The Bible says he brought in the groves. You know, groves. They would, they would make a grove of trees, and then they would cut stumps, and then make like a totem pole. And that's where they thought all their power came from. All the good things came from that. All the fertility, all the prosperity. And it angered the heart of God. Do you think it any wonder that now that Elijah comes, that Elijah stands before King Ahab and he says, a God that you think brings rain, I'm here to tell you who he is. And it's not going to rain until I say so. Listen, brother and sister, the idols in your life provokes the anger of God. You want to provoke God? Keep an idol with you. Keep that idol in your back pocket. Keep referring to it. Keep bragging about how good your job is and my job is this and my job is that when you don't know what your source is, baby. Quit bragging about your marriage and your stuff and your things and all the things going around. Keep talking about it and watch God deal with you. I'm the source of every good thing. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights whom whom there is no variableness of turning. Listen, every good thing, everything that's going on in your life is on behalf of God, on the goodness of God. Do I have a witness out there? Baby, you need to know where the good things come from. Elijah says, Elijah says, listen, how long will you halt between two opinions? How long are you going to be here trusting in anything but God? It's not going to rain, Ahab, because there's only one God of rain, and it's I am that's the God of rain. There's only one that produces the increase, and that is God. 
There's only one that kisses the ground with dew, and that is God. There's only one that causes things to multiply, and that is God. There's only one behind every good thing, and one behind all the things that you purposely have, and that is God. There's only one place to put your trust, Ahab, and that is God. And it's not going to rain, and you won't see dew until I say it's coming. How long will we halt between two opinions? Mama, how long are you going to put your babies ahead of God? How long are we going to put our jobs ahead of God and all the stuff going on around us? When are we going to simply say, God, you are Lord of it all? How long will we halt? How long will we halt? Elijah says, bring everybody up to Mount Carmel. I want to show you something. I'm so thankful for this passage because it's in this passage that we learn how to produce a place of intimacy with God. For I said it before, I'll say it again. The fire and the sacrifice are a match made in heaven. It's a match made in heaven because that pairing of fire and sacrifice produces an altar place where God can show his approval. Ironically, it's, it, it's such an it's such a anomaly to me to see people read this passage of fire falling out of heaven and to think that it's a one-time thing. God always consumes the sacrifice with fire. All you have to do is open your Bible. Genesis chapter 4 begins at first. When men wanted to get back in relationship with God, when they wanted to get intimate with God, they know they needed an altar. Friend, you want to have intimacy with God? What you need is an altar in your life. You really want to know God? I mean, I know you got your God as love down. Some of you are barely coming to God as light. Very few people get into the intimacy of the fire of God. Because of where the fire of God is, there's the power of God. It takes a high level of intimacy with God to provoke fire. Friend, do you know that the Bible tells me that it was Abel who brought the firstlings and the fat thereof. And the Bible says, and God had respect unto his sacrifice. Theologians say, well, well, how did God show respect? He consumed it in fire. Some of us know that when Israel sojourned, Right? How many know that, that on Mount Sinai, God gives the commandments, God shows up in fire? Or that when they went through the wilderness, God showed up in fire, a pillar of fire by night. Come on, somebody. But the Bible tells me that when they began to sacrifice, that the Bible says that, that, that when Moses taught Aaron, we, we, we've got to have a sin sacrifice. We've got to have a burnt sacrifice. We've got to have a peace sacrifice. And when they cut those animals up, the Bible says that when, when, when Aaron blessed it, and when, when Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle and prepared the sacrifice, when they came out, the Bible says the glory of God descended. And fire fell out of heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And the Bible says when the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. 
You know that Solomon was the one who built the temple for the Lord. He prepared the sacrifices. The priest prepared the sacrifices in the new temple. And the Bible says that as soon as Solomon came out of the temple, that, that the glory of God descended and fire fell out of heaven and consumed the sacrifice. The Bible says the whole house was full of the glory of God that not even the priest could enter in. God always shows up with fire when there is a sacrifice. A sacrifice that pleases him. A sacrifice that pleases him. The Bible says that the prophets of Baal produced a sacrifice. But Baal never showed up. Didn't speak a word. Didn't say a thing. Nothing changed. It's empty. How long will we continue to sacrifice to our idols? Only to find the emptiness that you feel inside right now, right here, this day, this present hour. How long are we going to keep laboring at an altar that doesn't produce anything good? How long will we halt between two opinions? Elijah mocked it. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God's, you know, talking to somebody. He can't talk to two people at the same time. He mocked them all day. They cut themselves, damaged themselves, jumped upon the altar. Nothing happened. The altar was not regarded by Baal because there is no Baal. Elijah, the Bible says, watch, watch the this, that, the seesaw of the verse. The Bible says that Elijah, catch this, repaired the altar on Mount Carmel. You say, well, there was an altar on Mount Carmel. Yes, there was. Uh, while I was praying this past week, I was in deep meditation with the Spirit of God. And we were talking about many things. I was talking about some of you. And the Spirit of God was talking to me. And then, then I got over to a conversation. I began to tell the Spirit of God, I'm going to be preaching what you gave me to preach. And here's the things that, you know, I'm good verses. And we were going over some stuff, he and I. And he asked me a question. He says, who built the first altar on Mount Carmel? You know. The one Elijah repaired. Uh, you know in the Bible, uh, men would, would make an altar to commemorate something God did. Uh, some of us, I, I can refer uh, to, to Moses who built an altar in Rephidim when he defeated the Amalekites. You know, remember the story where, where as long as Moses' hands were up. That, that, that as long as his hands were up, uh, Israel was defeated in Amalekites. I'm going somewhere. Watch this. I, I, and it was there that we attributed a name to God, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. It was here where God said, I'm going to destroy the Amalekites. I'm going to wipe the remembrance of them off the planet earth. Because they were them which cursed Israel as they sojourned through the wilderness. How many know that God has a promise for the nation of Israel, for the people of God, for the sons of God, that he's going to bless everybody that blesses you? But he's also going to curse everybody that curses you. 
right? These Amalekites attacked the nation of Israel. They sojourned in the rearward. In other words, where all the, the sick people were, where the people who were afflicted, the elderly, the kids, they would come through and those bands of raiders, those barbarians would come through and ravage and kill the children of Israel, the sick, the afflicted. And God said, I'm going to remember that. Some of you know that when God gave that, 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 that wonderful covenant to Abraham, he was talking about the Amorites. He says, their iniquity is not yet full, but it's going to be filled up soon enough. This is where we learn Jehovah Nisi. Now watch where I'm going. When God finally wanted to eradicate the Amalekites, he talked to a man by the name of Saul. He said, Saul, I want you to do something for me. Because the iniquity of the Amalekites is full. I had it up to here with them. I've given them every opportunity, every chance. I want you to execute my judgment. Listen to God. Watch this. He says, Saul, I want you to go over to where King Agag is to all the Amalekites. And I want you to kill every last one of them. I want you to kill the men. I want you to kill the women. I want you to kill the children. I want you to kill the babies. Everything that they have, their livestock, anything that's alive, I want it dead. Samuel gives those orders to Saul to go do the work of the Lord. And you know what? Saul goes. He kills every man there. Every lady, every woman was executed at his hand. Every child, every baby, except one. You see, he brought King Agag back because it was a trophy to him. You know, when they saw their fields of livestock and cattle, they brought all that back too. And if any of you know your Bible, when Saul came back and Samuel saw him and he said, look, Sam, Samuel, I've come back. I've done the work of the Lord. Samuel said back to him, what is the bleeding of sheep that I hear? You weren't supposed to bring nothing back. I mean, he did almost everything. You see, he did almost everything, God said. I mean, almost. I mean, almost everything. He thought it was everything, but, but, but it wasn't everything. You see, he brought King Ahag back because, uh, Agag back because he wanted that trophy. You know, so that he could parade him through Israel and everybody would herald his name. Uh, they saw all that cattle. You know what they thought? There's an economic reason. It sounds religious. But, but you're bringing all the animals from, from the Amalekites to sacrifice to the Lord. Which means you don't have to sacrifice your own. They get to eat the meat of that. You know, they get a meal, you know, on, on God's tab. And you don't have to sacrifice nothing of yourselves. And the word of the Lord came and said, I've rejected him. I mean what I say. I am a God of fire. I'm a jealous God. What people don't remember is that after this battle, after the thought that Saul had, that he had done the work of the Lord, he made an altar on Mount Carmel to commemorate his victory. <laughs> Elijah then has to repair that altar. You know what that altar is? 
where you're just not good enough. The altar is, hey, I'll give God 95%. We've got to repair that altar. The altar is everything or nothing at all. We've got to make that altar work. Brother and sister, what are you keeping back from God? Is it your time? I'm so saddened in the culture. You know, we give God a few hours on Sunday, if that. We just don't want to give him every day and all our time. Because we think he demands too much. I don't have to tell you that it was the Amalekites that killed King Saul. You see, the thing that you're holding back is the thing that's going to kill you. We have to repair the altar. I'll say it to you like this. Watch. Now catch this. Remember what I told you. God is a God of fire who always consumes the sacrifice which produces an altar, intimacy with God. I'm going to say it to you like Paul says it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Watch, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is he saying? He's trying to bring you to a place of fire. Uh, Solomon says this, where there is no wood, the fire burns out. Where there is, let me say it again, where there is no wood, the fire burns off, burns away. Listen to this. Listen to this. Do you, do you know that the Ark of the Covenant was first made of wood? The Ark of the Covenant was made with wood because the wood signifies flesh. You have to put your flesh on the altar of sacrifice to experience the fire of God. Listen, listen. You say, well, what do you mean, preacher? Listen, do you know that the fire of God is an expression of his presence? It's not just his deity, but it's that he's there and that he approves of that. Uh, you, you, you know when there's fire burning inside of you? Uh, you, you know when the prophet said, I, I got fire in my bones. It's shut up inside of me. I'm on fire. Right? So that when you point your finger at the devil, you, you, you know what lacks in your life is the authority that comes by fire, the presence of God, the purposes of the Lord. You know when fire is stoked in you, you can say in the name of Jesus, devil, I command you in the name of the Almighty to move in Jesus' name. You tell mountains to get out of the way, trees to uproot themselves. Why? Because there's fire in your life. Fire shut up in your bones. Somebody shout fire. Somebody shout fire. Go hug your neighbor. 
neighbor right now and say, baby, you need some fire in your life. Go hug somebody right now and say, baby, what you need is fire in your life. Get up right now. Get up right now. Get up right now and go hug somebody and say, baby, you need fire in your life. 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 This church needs fire. We need fire in here. We need fire in here. We need some fire in here, some holy fire, some sacrificed fire, some flesh on fire. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross to follow me. We need some Holy Ghost fire in here. Talking about fire, real godly fire. The kind of fire that demons tremble when you point your finger. The kind of fire when you point your finger, uh, 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 people are healed and delivered. Where sickness is broken, people are delivered. I'm talking about true godly fire because you know what it is to sacrifice before God. Listen, you want to prove the will, you got to start a fire first. You want to see the will of God and the purpose of God and the miracle of God, you got to start a fire first. You got to throw yourself on the flame. You say, how is it that Jesus out of that burning bush, the thorn bush, could out of that produce the flame and the blessing of God? Listen, brothers, don't you get it? You need to sacrifice your life before you can command the power of the kingdom of God. You want to have authority in your life? Or do you just want to keep hearing about it? Brothers and sisters, do you want to participate with God intimately? Do you want to move beyond your little precepts of God is love and a little bit of light, but you never got over to the fire? How many know that wherever people see fire, they stop and look at it? Everywhere there's fire, people say, well, what's going on over there? That thing is on fire, man. That, I mean, that, 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 that's fire. That's fire. That's fire. That's fire. Listen, I pray someday you say, well, you know what? I don't just want to keep hearing about the Bible. I want to participate with the Bible. I don't want to keep hearing about God. I want to work with God and move with God and act for God and speak for God. I want to get involved in this thing. Baby, you got to make a fire. you got to throw your sacrifice and let the fire of God come. It's a match made in heaven. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you that if you throw yourself on that flame, God will show up. Because fire and sacrifice is a match made in heaven. God said, you provide the wood, I'll bring the fire. You provide the wood, I'll, I'll show open fire. That's who I am. I, I will burn that up. I will show my pleasure. I will do it. I will consume it. I will be there. I will show myself for who I am. I am the God of fire. I'm 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 the God of fire. He just needs a sacrifice. Somebody who is tired of playing games, who says, you know what? 
It's time that I present myself a living sacrifice unto God. Do you know that wherever people present themselves as a living sacrifice, revival shows up. Do you know that we don't need everybody to catch fire? We just need a few people to catch fire because if we get a few people to catch fire, then somebody else will catch fire and then somebody else will catch fire. And people are going to say, listen, he is God. He is the God. Doesn't take a lot of words. Elijah simply prayed a prayer. 63 words. I counted it. One. Do you know that the average man speaks 25,000 words a day, average woman 80,000 words a day? Elijah spoke 63 words. And God was what he's always been. A God of fire. You see, he repaired that altar. The altar of, well, this is sufficient enough for God. It's either all or nothing. He repaired the altar of Saul that did almost everything God said to do. He brought that altar back into allegiance with God. God wants it all. He wants everything. He doesn't want a portion. He doesn't want 50%. He doesn't want 99.9. He wants 100%. He wants it all. And I'm here to tell you, listen, the only way to do that is you got to sacrifice. But what I'm here to tell you is God said, if you give it to me, I'm going to show up in fire. I'm going to consume you. I'm going to draw near to you. In fact, I'm going to draw near to your words that when you speak, Jonathan, when we speak, fire falls out of heaven. When we sacrifice, we produce the ability to call fire. Listen, there's some things in your life right now that in a simple prayer, you could eradicate it right now in Jesus' name. You could say, in the name of Jesus. But it's going to take a fire to get started. Elijah rebuilt the altar. Twelve stones back. He, he cut the, the burnt offering. Placed it there. Got everything ready. He poured water over it. Three, I, I can get into all the measures and all the types. It's just a symbol of Jesus. So it's the symbol of his baptism. It's a symbol of, of its victory on the cross. I, I, I could go, but I'm not going to do that right now because I just want you to concentrate. Listen, God wants a sacrifice. I love my brother Abel. The Bible says in the process of time when men desire to get back into relationship with God, Abel said, I'm going to bring to him a sacrifice. And the Bible says God had respect unto it. Fire fell on it. The Bible says that, that, that Elijah called everybody and he, he said that simple prayer. And the fire fell out of heaven. Watch this. Fire falls out of heaven and it consumes the sacrifice. Listen, turns it to dust. Listen how thorough it is. 
he, he calls that fire and, and, and the, the burnt offering is consumed in the dust. The very rocks produced by the most fervent heat of what we call lava was consumed into dust. The water which was there bubbled and evaporated, boiled and evaporated, was, was licked up in the trench. It was all turned to powder. <laughs> Do you know that immediately when that, that, that altar was consumed, Elijah pointed his fingers to them prophets. He says, gather every one of them. Just as the command of the Lord was to Saul, get every one of them. And the Bible says that it was Elijah who took them and slew them there. Every single one of the prophets of Baal was slew by the hand of God, by the hand of Elijah. Why? Because God wants it all. Friend, the proposition is this. Do you want intimacy with God? Do you want to see your enemies routed and routed completely? Do you want to see God eviscerate your trouble, your problem, your strifes, your things, your situations, the troubles in your life? Do you want to see complete and utter victory in the name of Jesus? Would you like to see your situation turned around and turned upside down? Would you like to see the blessing of God be so profound and so wonderful and so renewed in your life that by the pointing of your finger, you'll be able to tell something. Align yourself into the things of God. Would you like to yield the power and move in the power and walk in the power and speak the power and declare the power? Would you like to get involved with God? God is saying, come, bring your sacrifice. Bring yourself. Present yourself. And wherever there's sacrifice, wherever there's sacrifice, I promise you my fire will fall. Today, listen, listen, it's, it's almost time to leave, but the altar's open. It's a simple altar today. What you're bringing is yourself. You're bringing yourself and every idol that you might have, an idol of, of promotion, an idol of a family, an idol of, of this, an idol of that. Uh, maybe today when I said that, that an idol in your life is anything that you think can do more for you than God, uh, maybe immediately you thought of your husband or a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a job, a promotion, a thing, uh, some shiny thing, some, something in your life. Uh, God says bring that idol with you because today we're going to set it aflame. I want you to put that idol on this altar because today we're sacrificing it all.